0: You know, oftentimes in life, we face these challenges and difficulties and problems and things get hopeless in our situation. And I want to talk to you about how the resurrection of Jesus should speak to your life during those times. Amen. And let's start by looking at Jesus in the context of history and, and, and how his life mattered in the context of history. So if you, if you go back to the beginning in Adam, you know, the Bible says that Adam sinned in the garden of Eden, didn't he? Adam and Eve sinned and because of that sin came into the world now what that means sin came into the world is that death entered the world too and that all things die now if you look at anything in life it has a a, an, an end to it it comes to an end so it doesn't matter if it's a tree or if it's a human being or if it's your car or a house. I mean, if it sits there long enough, it's going to rot and decay. That is the effect of death being in the world today. Now, we grow old, don't we? Me and Buddy were talking about growing old this morning. We, we're, we're, You know, we we like to, uh, well, at least I do. I like to talk about how old I'm getting and, you know, how out of shape I'm getting and how I can't do what I used to do. And usually it's just in fun. Truthfully, I'm really blessed um, with what God has done for me in my life. But I am getting older, and I've noticed that I can't do things like I used to. Like I'd climb a ladder in the past, and I, when I was young, I thought, Well, if I fall, I'll just land on my feet. It's no big deal. And now as I'm stepping higher up every step, my knees are (laughs) shaking a little because I understand that I can't land like I used to. I can't do what I used to. Do you know that all of that is the effect of death on the world today? The, how you, you can plant a tree and it can grow. It can grow. It may last a hundred years. At some point it's going to die. That's the effect of death on the world today. Now, when Adam and Eve sin, they brought that into the world today. It still exists today. And because of that, mankind is born into sin. We're born into sin. Now, let me tell you what that means. Mankind is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of you is the part of you that's in your innermost, deepest parts that connects directly to God, right? The soul part of you is the internal part of you that connects to the world around you, your mind and your thinking and your emotions and stuff. And of course, your body is your physical body. Now, when death entered into the world, people were born with dead spirits. That's why there's a saying that you must be born again, And so we have a a lot of people in the world who are walking around with dead spirits because only when you come to Christ is your spirit made alive. Your soul, your will, your emotions, your mind may be alive, your body may be alive, but without Christ, the spirit is dead. Are you with me so far? So you've got a world full of people after Adam walking around in the struggle with sin. They can't get control of sin. They can't stop death. They are defeated. And what do we as humans do? We try everything we can to fix ourselves, right? We want to try to do better. And we do it as individuals. We try to make ourselves better and, and make ourselves do the right things. Like I've said before, uh, you know, you can try to be disciplined and say, well, I'm never going to say that again. I'm never going to cuss again. And then what happens? seems like you cuss worse after you've done that. Right. And, and, and my, my favorite example is when you go to get, uh, a, french fries at mcdonald's and you're trying to bring them home and keep your hands out of them right and you can't stop yourself from digging in the bag because we don't have the discipline to control our own selves do we you know how have you been down that road So then we as a society, we try to come together and we try to decide right from wrong and we try to make ourselves do the right thing. And you're getting a lot of that today on social media. Everybody's telling you how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to think and what political party you're supposed to belong to. Everybody's got the moral high ground they feel like and they're telling you how to live their lives. But the truth is that's been going on forever and society doesn't have an answer for you. Not your grandpa's society, not your society, not the the grandkids that you're going to have. Someday, now their society, mankind will never be able to fix himself. And when you come to that realization, it brings you to a dark moment. It brings you to a place where you realize that within your own power, even with people around you helping you, your situation is hopeless. The world is hopeless, and yet. There was a prophecy given that a Savior would come. A Savior would be born. And the angels announced it, right, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. We celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas morning that although we could do nothing to save ourselves, here comes Jesus. The Son of the living God steps down from heaven and comes in a manger and he lives a perfect life. He does everything that he's supposed to do. Not only that, he displays his power. He's going to heal the sick and raise the dead and open up ears. And he's going to, he's going to baffle political leaders and religious leaders who are trying to stop him. And people at his time, you got to understand, people at his time didn't know what was going to happen. So they're looking at this guy like he's a political savior. Like he's going to be another David. He's going to get an army together and defeat Rome. And Israel's going to finally be free and enjoy all of the blessings that God has for them. And They're going to live here on earth the wonderful life that they've always been promised. What they didn't know is Jesus didn't come to fulfill that role. He came to die. Amen? And so hopes are high. The disciples are following him. Can you imagine how excited they are when they see him raise the dead? When they see the water turned into wine. Woo, this is our guy. Yeah. Come on, Jesus, go get them, right? They're they're excited. Hope is high. And then comes that day when he goes to the garden and he asks him, hey, couldn't you just pray for me for one hour? My heart is in distress. And yet, they can't even stay awake. So what happens? Harold's phone rings. (laughs) No, that didn't happen. (laughs) What happened was, Judas leads the army, right? He, he leads the soldiers and they come and they arrest Jesus and they take him away and he goes before the, the political leaders and he gets beaten and they're watching from afar and they're seeing all of this happen and he's beaten and he's accused and they make fun of him and they put a, a robe on his back and a crown of thorns upon his head and they make him carry his own cross out there to Calvary's hill. And they know what's gonna go on. They know what a crucifixion is. They've seen it before. They understand it. And all of the hope that they had is starting to dwindle and diminish. As they watch and they're wondering is Jesus ever gonna like take over? Is he ever gonna call down angels from heaven? Or is he just gonna let this happen? Or maybe he doesn't really have the power to change it. And you can just sense in the people of that day their hope beginning to dwindle as they watch Jesus and the nails go in his hands and the nails go in his feet. And finally, he says those three powerful words, it is finished. You know, I got to thinking about that, buddy. I wonder how many people who were there who thought those three words meant, yeah, our hope is gone. That Jesus was trying to tell his people, you know what? It's over with. I tried and I couldn't do it. It's finished. We made a good run at it, but here we are again back at hopelessness. But Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, It is finished. What he meant was, the work that I needed to do to set you free has been complete. Hallelujah. They didn't understand that then, but the day was coming when the light would go on. Revelation would open up in their heart, and they would understand. So we've got a world that on Friday night goes to bed with the realization that the Savior of the world, that they had placed all their hopes in, was dead and in the tomb. I can't imagine what they thought and how they felt. I can't imagine what was going through their mind. But, you know, I've had experiences in my life when I reached the end of my rope, when I've come to the end of myself, when I either had to decide that life was hopeless or there was hope in Christ. I had to make the choice. I had to understand that there was more ahead for me and that I just needed to trust a Savior who could do it for me. I needed to trust a Savior who could bring me back from the dead. You see, while the world at that time must have thought this was the end, it was nothing but a setup. It was a setup for the greatest comeback history would ever know. The world got dark on a Friday, was silent on a Saturday, so that the tomb could burst forth with life on a Sunday morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You're going to come to a place in your life If you haven't already done it, a place where you realize that all of your efforts to make your life meaningful and have purpose and fulfilled come to an end. When you get to the end of your hope in you and when you get to the end of the hope in your political party or your friends or your family, when you come to the end of hope in money or your career or whatever it may be, when you finally realize that at the end of all of that, there is still hope in Christ, that all of the the negative, all of the hopelessness, all of the despair is just a setup for a comeback. I came to tell somebody today, if you're living in that place, physically, spiritually, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, where you feel like all hope is lost and you're at the point of despair, it is nothing but a setup or a comeback. God wants to resurrect your life into something new. Hallelujah. Are you with me? You see, Jesus came and raised himself from the dead so that we could follow with him. We could go with him. I want to read you today. Read to you today. Thank you. In Luke chapter 24 I love this and I use this often at Easter but it says on the first day of the week at early dawn they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared they expected a dead Jesus and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus can somebody dance with me (laughs) he's not there While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you a while? He was in Galilee saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Hallelujah. I want to talk to you for a little while about what the dead life is like. How many of you like to show the walking dead? Come on. You like it? A lot of people like those kind of zombie shows. A little too uh, gross for me. I don't have any like religious problems or anything like that. I don't think that. But, but uh, um, there are a lot of people who love that walking dead. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because in the world today, without Christ, people are walking dead. They're walking around with dead spirits. And there's nothing you can do to bring that spirit to life. Can I tell you something? The spirit part of you is where all of the good resides. It's where everything good resides resides it's the part of you that god made for him to put his spirit with and out of that would flow every good thing that you need so if your spirit's dead now in your fleshly side which is your soul and body you can still do good things you can have good thoughts and you can be kind and you can experience love all of those things but the perfect side of you that create uh, that that connects to god is the spirit side and when that spirit side is dead you can't connect to god And when you're a a walking dead person, that means without Christ, you might come into a church and sit down and listen to a preacher preach and feel something inside of you tugging you. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit bringing you to life just enough for you to know your need of God. It's like he's put the paddles on your dead heart and he's pumped it, right? Uh, uh, boom, you get that shock and it wakes you up for a split second. And when you come and you feel that conviction, that, that pulling, it's God waking your spirit up so that you can realize you need God. The Bible says unless the Holy Spirit does that, you'll never get to God. But he does that. He goes into your life. You might watch a movie or have a conversation with someone you love and and you'll feel that pulling in your spirit and that's the Holy Spirit waking you up so that you can come to him so that you realize your need of God. But there are people who are walking around living the dead life. And My question for you is you're never going to find life among the dead so why are you trying? Why are you trying to find life in the things of this world? You see, the dead life has goals such as money, money, honeys, (laughs) come on, right, power, got to go my way, some people are, some people are wanting to sleep all day long, that's their goal, if they can figure out how to Never work a day and sleep all day long. That's their goal. There are some people whose goal is to have all the stuff in the world. And, 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 and if you ask them how much money's enough, they always say, I want a little bit more. Just a little, come on, just give me a little bit more. I need a little bit more. It's a, it's a never-ending pursuit of things. We want the stuff of this world. We want to be beautiful. We want people to adore us and be famous. And and, and the dead life has goals like that. And, And people spend their lives in pursuit of this stuff. Can I tell you something? The only thing worse than pursuing the things of this world and not getting them is pursuing the things of this world and getting them. Because it's in that moment when the money comes and the honeys come and the power comes that you realize just how empty it is. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, is the way of death. You know why? Because the dead life is a bunch of people walking around in the cemetery, and they're pursuing things that end in death that don't really matter. They're pursuing things that don't really matter, and they go go after things of this life, and and they want it so bad. There's some people that want to be so beautiful, they spend uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars cutting their faces up and and getting fixed all over again. And, 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 you know, sometimes I wish my face looked different. Y'all don't amen me on that one. Brenda's shaking her head like, me too, Pastor. I wish your face looked different too. There's more important stuff than that, as long as my wife loves me. Come on. There's more important stuff than money. I like money as much as anybody. I'm not allergic to to it. And and if you would like to give me some money, I would take it from you. (laughs) Hallelujah. I give money to other people too. That's not the point, though. There's stuff that's more important than money. There's stuff that's more important than having things. I like to drive a nice car, but you know what? I realize I, I was happy when I drove a used car, and I'm happy when I drive a newer car. That's the car doesn't make the difference in my life. But if I pursue the things of this world, I consume my days, my time, my money, in the things that only end in death, they're just going to disappear anyway. You know what's going to happen to your new car someday? It's going to become an old car someday. You know what's happened to your new house someday? It's gonna become an old house someday. You know what's gonna happen to your new young body? I see these young men and they're walking around with their shirts off because they got, you know, they, they got six packs and they look so smooth. And I'm thinking, enjoy it while it lasts. Because <laughs> there's coming a day when you will get furniture disease. You know what that is? That's when your chest falls into your drawers. <laughs> <laughs> And, and gravity starts weighing you down. <laughs> yes, gravity starts weighing you down. Yes, and, and life gets to you. And you know, if you pursue the stuff of this world, it doesn't last. And the only thing worse than pursuing it and not getting it is getting it and realize how empty it was and how you wasted your time, energy, and effort living the dead life, the empty life. But there's something that's so much better. You see, Jesus came to life so that you and I could live with him. I want to read scripture to you in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn with me. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Remember, Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, there was a time when your spirit was dead. He doesn't mean that you were physically dead or that your soul was dead, that you couldn't think. Or you couldn't walk or talk. He meant that your spirit was dead. You formerly walked according to the course of this world. What have we been talking about? You walked according to the ways of this world. You were right there walking among the dead. According to the prince of the power of the air. Or the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, but God, oh, thank you for a, but God, amen, hallelujah, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for grace. You have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The scripture says that God raised us up with Christ. You remember that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow? You know, the, this is the essence of that song. Because Christ was raised, I can be raised with Him. Because Christ defeated death, I don't have to be under that spell anymore. I don't have to live the dead life anymore. When Christ rose from the dead, he brought those who believe in him with him. Amen. He defeated sin at the cross. He defeated death by rising from the grave. And that means sin doesn't have to rule over me anymore. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I'm, you know, we're... We're at this church, we, we're honest about our lives, and we don't act like we never make mistakes and never sin and never fall short of the glory of God. We still have a fleshly side of ourselves that sometimes we don't think like we should. Sometimes we don't speak like we should. Am I the only one? Don't make me. I got a list. No, I really don't. I don't keep a list. But, but I know that everybody makes mistakes, right? We still do. But you know what? Sin doesn't rule over us. That's that's the difference, right? Sin doesn't rule over our lives. Christ does. Christ has control over our lives. While there's other people in the world that are still bound by sin, still bound by death, still under the penalty, Christ has made us free because we believe in him. Not only did he raise us, but Paul says here that he seated us in heavenly places. Woo! You know what that means? That means that I experienced things that I would never experience without Jesus. That means that all of the good things that Christ earned by rising from the dead, by defeating sin and death, he has shared with me. I am an heir of God and a co-heir of Christ. And if he's alive, I'm alive. Hallelujah. If he's healthy, I'm healthy. If he's got an eternity, I've got an eternity. Yes. Amen. He has placed me in a place of resurrected life. And I want you to experience the resurrected life. He is calling you out of death and into life. He's calling you to live the resurrected life. You see, the resurrected life is when your spirit comes to life again. Amen. And when we have faith in Christ, our spirits come to life. And Jesus told uh, uh, Nicodemus, I believe, he said, you know what? You must be born again. What do you mean born again? How am I supposed to go into my mother's womb and be born again? What kind of sense does that make? No, no. Spiritually, you must be born again. You had a water birth. You see, water almost always in the Bible, it represents earthly things. You see, no, God cleansed the earth with a flood. He physically cleansed the earth with water. He spiritually cleansed the earth with blood through Christ. Are you hearing me? One is a physical thing. The other is a spiritual thing. When you've been born by water, that means you've had a physical birth. But until you've been born in Christ, you haven't had a spiritual birth. Jesus was telling him, your spirit's dead, but it can be born. It can come to life. It can be resurrected if you just have faith in Christ. Jesus said, those who believe in me, they shall not die. They shall live. Amen. That our spirits can come to life, amen, hallelujah. That when we realize that and we have faith in Christ, something happens to us. I came to tell somebody who thinks of Christianity as religion. And you think of Christianity as a set of rules that you're supposed to obey. Or you think of Christianity as a suit you're supposed to wear or, or a song you're supposed to sing. I came to let you know that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a new life in Christ where his spirit and yours become one, where he wakes up the dead in you and resurrects your spirit and it changes who you are. I came to tell you today that is available for you. You see, when your spirit is awoken, all of a sudden your goals change. The, the desires of your heart change. Let me just help you a little bit because we live in a world where a lot of people in church have worldly desires. In fact, they think of God as like the, the means by which they're going to accomplish or receive all of this stuff in the world. That like God is up in heaven thinking of how he can make you rich and, and how he can, can, can I tell you something? You know why God doesn't make you rich and allow you to be rich? Because you'd think you didn't need him after that. Well, I'm, talk, I'm talking to somebody today, mm-hmm, can I tell you a secret? If the only way you'll come to God is when you have a devastating time in your life and you, you fall on your knees and beg God for help, there'll be a lot of times that you'll have devastating periods in your life. Because God is interested in different goals for you. Once again, I'm not, uh, I I don't have a problem with money. God had all kinds of people in the Bible that were rich, that were wealthy and were blessed and had lots of good stuff. But that's not the goal of your life. For God's not up in heaven going, I got to figure out how to make Bonnie rich. And and she needs more stuff and more money and more things. (laughs) That'd be nice, wouldn't it, Bonnie. But there's better things than that, and God's given them to you, and I know that you know those things, and you dwell on those things. And even in the moments when, like, maybe money's a little tight, you realize that you're pretty gum rich because you got a really good-looking husband, don't you? And you got some awesome kids, hallelujah. And, and you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and if you, if you live, it's for Christ, and if you die today, you're going to see him face-to-face, and there's a lot of good stuff going on in your life, amen? People are walking around pursuing the stuff of this world. And Christ brings your spirit to life. Your desires and goals change. And no longer is Christ trying to set you up for the here and now. But he uses the here and now to set you up for eternity. I need to say that again because you didn't get it. God doesn't worry about fixing the here and now. He wants to use the here and now. A small piece of eternity. A small tiny part of forever. He wants to use this time now to set up eternity. So that you go to the right place. You're prepared and seated in heavenly places. And everyone that you know, you have an influence to push them in that direction too. Amen. He's concerned about eternal things. And and you know, when you get close to him, you start getting concerned about those things too. You know what's it about? It's, It's about loving God and loving people. That's what it's really about. It's about knowing God and helping people know God. Paul said, just take everything, all of the stuff, all of the the experiences I've had, all of the the ways I've moved up in my career, all of the the money. It's all garbage. It doesn't mean anything. i got one thing. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him in his crucifixion. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. He is everything. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes even we as Christians, we kind of get in the flesh and get pursuing the stuff of this world. Anybody with me? you know jesus said something spectacular he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you'll ask what you will and it shall be done now, a lot of people take that to mean, oh great jesus is saying that if i'm a christian i can ask whatever i want and get whatever i want that is certainly not <laughs> what jesus is saying let me help you understand you see there's an if in there if if you abide in me, and my word abides in you. You know what happens when you're really deeply abiding in Christ and his word is deeply abiding in you? You won't ask for stupid stuff. Your hunger will be like Paul. I don't want that stuff. I just want Jesus. I want to know him. I don't want to know Jesus. And if it's an old car or a new car, it doesn't matter. As long as I can get where I need to go, but I want to know Jesus. Yes, I want to know God. I want to experience all of the depths of his love and who he is. When his word gets so deep in you that you can ask whatever you want and it shall be done, you'll only ask for the things that God wants for you. Are you catching that today? Hallelujah. You see, when you become a child of God and your spirit is raised up, your goals change. Your pursuits change and how you get to them change. Come on, are you with me today? Uh, You know, even making a living changes how you make a living. I remember before I was saved, I, I would work whenever they wanted me to work. And this, once I got saved, this was my own personal conviction. And it was like this, I'm not working on Sunday. Now I know that Jesus was my savior Monday through Saturday, but I felt like the church is a biblical, important part of the kingdom of God. And so uh, I had it out with some bosses at, at, at some times in my life who wanted me to work, come in on a Sunday, and it wasn't that, that being a pastor was my job because I wasn't a pastor then I had, uh, a, another job. And, and so, uh, but I would tell them I'm not working on Sunday. You can fire me if you want, but I'm not working on Sunday. I'm not going to do it because I have a personal conviction that I need to be in the house of God because the way I'm going to get provided for has changed. No longer is it me doing the work that provides for me. I'm going to trust Jesus to take care of my life. And listen, you can fire me today for not working on Sunday, but let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go out Monday and God's going to give me a better job and probably give me a pay increase. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to honor him. That was my personal conviction. Can I tell you, they never fired me, not once. Not once, and I was always in the house of God. And God blessed me because my pursuits changed. Not only did my goals change, but the way I get to them changed. And I have learned over the years how that we get to the goal changes. Uh, Like when I was younger, I used to think that when money was tight, I needed to save and, and scrimp and hold on and guard my money so that I'd have it to pay the bills with. But spiritually, I learned that that's not how God wants you to receive That unless you plant a seed, you'll never have a harvest. But we got real quiet in here, didn't we? Because we got a death grip on our money. Some preacher said, and I think it's true, in most people, the last thing God gets from them is their money. That's my money. I control it. I I decide when and where and how. Can I tell you something? God set up the law of sowing and reaping, and the Bible says that it'll never go away. It's always going to exist, and that if you don't plant a seed, if you don't take something and plant it, you'll never receive it. You know what I've learned? I've learned that when I see a bill coming up and I'm not going to have enough money to pay for it, I start looking for a place to give money away to. I start looking for a person who has a need. I start looking for a ministry and I start giving $20 bills away one at a time in different places. Or I'll talk to Kathy and say, hey, we ought to give this money to this place because I feel like we need to plant a seed. And I know, I know, I know, I know that if I plant it today, a harvest is coming tomorrow because I have been with God. I've experienced it before. The way I look at money has changed. My pursuits have changed because new life changes who you are. It makes a difference in your life. It changes you from the inside out. And God's still working on me, right? He's still trying to change my thinking and my my actions and my mouth and my words. He's still working on my life. But can I tell you something? He has brought my spirit to life, and I'm walking the best I can in a resurrected life. I don't want to walk in a dead life any longer. I want to walk in a resurrected life. It's not just new goals and new pursuits, it's a new you. I'm going to close with this thought. Every one of us knows there's a person that we are supposed to be sometimes it's it's hard to even say that person in words to describe in words what that person is like, but you know who deep down in your spirit, you know there's a person that you feel like you're are supposed to be and and you're not that person and so what do we do we We try to fix ourselves and we try to do all these things and we're going to diet or we're going to stop doing this or we're going to go to you know some seminar or something or we're going to read a book or we're going to we're going to do something and even religion can get you that way i'm going to start going to church can i tell you something one of the worst things you can do is go to church and get religious without jesus because it'll make you feel like you're right with god and everything's okay when it's really not are you with me and you pursue all of this stuff, and you walk around trying to trying to fix yourself, and, and trying to do better, and and, and and you just hope that you become that person you've always dreamed you could be. And when you start to realize it doesn't happen, people start making excuses. Well, it's because it's because of you know I was born in the wrong family. It's because I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. It's because I don't have. If I just had money, if my mama would have been more this, if my daddy would have been more that. If I hadn't gone through this tragedy, if I hadn't of this or I hadn't of that, can I tell you all the excuses in the world aren't the reason that you're not who you always knew you could be? Let me tell you the reason. Because there's only one person who can turn you into the person you always knew you could be. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you ever let him get inside of your life, if you ever let him him get inside of you and bring your spirit to life, you won't become perfect in a day, but you'll start to grow in him and your desires will change and your hopes will change. And, And let me tell you, I'm telling you something that I know about because I have experienced it myself. I grew up in church. I felt the spirit of God. Sister Alice, there were times that I sat in that Pew, a sinner, and I felt a conviction. I could feel, boom, those paddles waking me up, telling me I needed God, and I would ignore them. And I would go on my own way. I would think to myself, I can't be a Christian. I can't do like those people do. I didn't know it wouldn't be me, that it would be Christ in me. So I'd say no, and I'd do my own thing. And I I did that for a long time. In fact, once I got to be old enough, I could have just quit church, but I kept going because I liked to play the guitar. And we would go, I would play the guitar, and as soon as the music was done and the preaching started, I would go outside. And us musicians, we'd hang out, you know, while the preaching went on, because we weren't really there for the right reason. Let that sink in for just a moment. And and then all of a sudden, things began to happen at church, and there, I, I was young at the time, and there was a lot of young adults that were getting saved and filled with the Spirit and God was moving, and I could tell something was going on, and it was pulling on me, but I was very resistant. And one night, there was an especially great, great service, and God's Spirit was moving. And You know, the musicians, after we'd go outside, we'd come back in so that when they had a prayer service at the end, we'd play music during the prayer service. And, and I will remember I was playing music, and people, young people, young adults were at the altar, and they were, they were seeking God. They weren't waiting for the next, you know, young adult trip to SeaWorld or something like that. They, were, they wanted Jesus. They were pursuing him with all of their heart, falling in love with God. Lives were being changed right in front of my eyes. And, and uh, to add to that, I had kind of reached a place in my life where I felt empty. I didn't have cancer. I wasn't broke. had a great family, wife who loved me. Jennifer was just a little little child at the time. A lot of stuff going for me, but it didn't matter because I could feel despair coming over my life at a young age. I could feel despair coming over my life. And the despair pushed me down, but every time I would see people receiving from the Lord, it would lift me up. One night after this particularly great service, we drove home, Kathy and me and Jennifer, and we pulled in the driveway. We got out of the car. We all went inside, and I went back outside to get something I had forgotten. And as soon as I sat down in that car, the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit just engulfed my life. I mean, I I never before felt that. And I began to cry out to the Lord. And in the only honest way I could, I said, God, I can't do this. I know you want me to. I know you're real. I know you're calling me to serve you. I can't do what these other people do. I can't always think right and be right and act right. And he told me something that I still live with to this day. He said, it's not going to be you, Mylon. I'll do it for you. I'll live in you. And I still rely on that. Do you know sometimes, Beth, I just, have to, I just have to sit back and say, Holy Spirit, take control. Change me. And so I promised God. I, I received him into my heart. I asked him to forgive me. I repented of my sin. And I have never been the same since. And I don't know how to tell you how much I love him and how much he's done for me. I don't know how to tell you what the resurrection means to me except I don't know where I'd be today without that moment, that time when he brought my spirit back from the dead. Hallelujah. That's what Easter is about. It's about the opportunity for you and I to experience new life in Christ. Do you know there's been times since then that even as his child I've come to points where I felt down, out, and in despair. And I thought... God, where are you at? Why is this going on? And it seemed like it was going to be the end. And then all of a sudden, a light would come on and things would begin to change. And the darkest times in my life, I'm learning, have been nothing but a setup for a comeback. It was probably, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, Kathy and I had launched out on our own we thought we felt like god wanted us to start a church and so we started a church and we were meeting in a clubhouse and we had our ups and downs and it was very difficult and uh you know we had we had reached a place where we had done everything we could do and it just didn't seem like we were going to get anywhere and i as a pastor was kind of taking the responsibility for that you know on my own shoulders and and uh well, I reached a de- a devastating time in my life during that period of time. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And so, you know, the only thing I do, buddy, is what I've always done. And, and that is I said, God, we're going to stop having services and we're just going to pray. And you're going to do what you do because either you're God or you're not. And, and it wasn't very long after that, I mean, a very short time that someone called and said, Hey, why don't you come over to the ark and uh, maybe try out for pastor over here? And so I did, and uh, well, here we are today. The Ark became uh, Austin Alive Church, and it's, that was 15 years ago, and here we are today, and And you know what I've learned through all of that? I've learned that when it gets really, really dark and it seems like it's really, really at the end and it's really, really hopeless, it's just a setup for a comeback, amen? That God is getting ready to do something big. And I don't know who you are today, but I feel like there's somebody in this place who's at that point. You feel like you've done everything you can do. You've pushed yourself to the limit. You've got people to try to help you and you aren't getting anywhere and you feel like it's never gonna happen. And I came to tell you that's just a set up. God is getting ready to resurrect you, and if you would just believe. So how do you receive a resurrected life? Just believe in it. Turn away from the old life and turn to Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to cut your hair, go buy a suit or a dress. You don't have to be religious. Just trust in Jesus. He'll take care of everything else as he grows you in him. Hallelujah. So I want every, every head bowed.